You are listening to Master Coaching with Ajit, a podcast that inspires coaches to impact lives of their clients more meaningfully. I am Coach Ajit, and I'm known for coaching high performers, entrepreneurs, and leaders. I'm also a serial entrepreneur and author of many books. On this podcast, I am answering your burning questions. I'm also demonstrating and deconstructing behind-the-scenes coaching sessions. I wanted to ask a question, which I think would be interesting for so our community. Tends to, the listeners tend to be individuals who are in some sort of personal transformation, or they are coaches, because literally yeah. the podcast called Master Coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I was very curious to bring you on because you have set yourself up in a very unique marketplace that is often tabooed or people mm-hmm. are kind of uncomfortable with it. And so I wanted to make that comfortable, that conversation. So mm-hmm. I was like, you are probably the best person mm-hmm. to invite on this conversation. Your brand is called That Sex Chick. Yeah. yeah Tell me how our, you got to that. Our company is Sex and Love Co. Mm-hmm. So it's not just me that does the work that I do now, but originally it was me by myself, one woman show, trying to figure out how to help people in their sex lives, make it not taboo, help them in the ways that I wish that I would have been helped in my individuation and growing up process. And uh, and then eventually figured out a way to communicate with people through social media and online that they felt the realness from me and they felt the authenticity from me. And I wasn't going about trying to shock and awe people mm-hmm. with information, I think. And um, I wasn't trying to be too overly edgy or anything like that. And I think through storytelling, I think my story, even though I'm pretty young, I think the life that I've lived is very relatable for a lot of people. Whether it's I'm telling stories of my family or I'm telling stories of my mom's relationships or I'm telling the stories that I left my small hometown of South Louisiana and went to college in Mississippi. So I stayed super Southern. And then I went and lived on cruise ships for six years. And so I traveled the world. And I think through all my storytelling and the the culture shock and all of that, people are either intrigued by it and at times want to live vicariously through me, or there's something in it that they can resonate with. And I think through that, just creating that foundation and really telling stories is how people found their way to me, became comfortable with me. And then eventually, they started asking, how much is it to work with you? Mm-hmm. You know, I had a hard time with the word coach. I had a hard time initially with mentor, with just calling myself something, which I realized that happens for a lot of people that come into this space. And for some reason, I prioritize or I would have rathered be a writer or a blogger or a podcaster or any of these other things than coach because I definitely had a whole series of how did I all of a sudden find myself in this space where people want my assistance? I, you know, at the time, this is over five and a half years ago. And I felt so young. And what gives me the right to help these people who've been through marriages and been through heartache and been through grief and all that? And of course, I have a very colorful story and a very colorful life. And I've seen a lot of things, but I still haven't done that. Mm -hmm. But they're coming to me asking, what do I do? And I just really realized that the sex, love, and relationships, it's across age, across ethnicity, across nationality, across so many demographics, psychographics, the main challenges are the same across the world. And so I realized like as I was really getting started, people are living these beautiful lives that they're living and this area of their life, they're not talking about it. And so there was something about what I did in the beginning that just really resonated with people. And so as time went by, I became known as that sex chick. You know, I'd enter a room or I'd enter a space and someone might recognize me or know what I did and they'd like call a friend over or something. And I just heard this a number of times. Oh, do you know Alexa? She's that sex chick. You know, she's, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know if you know her. She's like, she's like a sex chick online. And so I just took it and adopted it. And, uh, It's been mostly a good choice because it has the word S-E-X in it. And so Mm -hmm. sometimes like emails don't get delivered to my people and things like Mm -hmm. that. Even choosing to have our company called Sex and Love Co. is a little bit of a challenge at times, but we make it work. You know, I think the realness of it all, it's not porn and we're not trying to shock and awe. We're just wanting to give real information 
through storytelling, not shaming, not judging, and a lot of listening. Because that's another thing I realized over the time. People don't have anyone to just listen to them, especially in this area. They hold it all inside. So... My curiosity is, I've been curious about so my early mentors when I had my first marriage kind of not work out. Mm-hmm. One of the key reasons was because of very poor sex life. Yeah. And because of that, once I went past that situation, one of my first studies was sex because I wanted to liberate myself to say, because I come from Indian background, which mm-hmm. is definitely a taboo, at least after we were ruled by the British. Mm-hmm. Before that, it wasn't so much, mm-hmm. or at least that's what I've heard from uh, history books or conversations and information that I've gathered. But then society kind of changed its direction. We became very, you know, non-open to the idea. So, so that was my first discovery. And my challenge at that time was very similar to what you just said. It's like there is no place or way for us to get educated. Mm-hmm. What was your path to saying that's the work that needs to be done? Was it your personal journey? Was it an observation? around the world? How do you get... Because it's yeah. a difficult call. Like you said, he's been using the word sex mm-hmm. in your thing and approaching the subject, which, you know, a lot of your... I don't know how your family is, but if I said I'm the sex guy, my family's going to freak. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm the baby of the family too. Yeah. So I think I've thrown so many curveballs in the whole family dynamics that they're kind of like, what will Alexa do next? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, so my mom... Like I mentioned, South Louisiana, she's been married five times. My grandparents together, their whole, you know, since like 17, 18 years old. So until my grandfather passed away. So I I saw two stark contrasts growing up of like relationships that stay together for the sake of together. And that the success of the relationships is determined by the longevity, is just staying in it. And then I saw on the flip side, my mom... I don't know. I, I don't want to put words in her mouth um, or, or like label her experience per se. But my perception is that maybe what she saw wasn't the markers of really the love that she wanted to have or the connection that she wanted to have. So it was one of those possible situations where she hard pendulum swung in the other direction and was like, if this isn't going to work, then I'm just going to go to the next one. Even just talking about this publicly was very challenging for my family and very challenging for my mom to hear me like in air quotes, air dirty laundry. Like we couldn't even talk about the fact that, well, obviously you're not with the same person that you were with five years ago. Like <laughs> something's changed and we're from a very small town, you know, just under New Orleans. And I grew up mostly Catholic. And so I saw and heard info all over the place. And I'll just like close it on my on my mom though. Like now time has gone by and I think me being open has in some ways liberated her and helped her feel less shame about it and helped her feel more normal about it. Because those were things that she was holding in and trying to hide. And, you know, I'm not telling her story, but I'm telling out loud what I perceived when I was growing up, you know. So I also like to mention that she found true, authentic, real, long-lasting love at 50 years old. She's 66 now. So the longest relationship of her life she found at 50. So I always like to like underscore all of that info about the fam that we're obsessed. My family's obsessed with my stepdad now, Ernie. And so like that, that's I just want to like round that out by saying, you know, she had her time and found this beautiful experience. But she's retired military. So 22 years in the military. And I, outside of her partners, grew up as a single, um, a single mom. With all this mixed messaging, I also was very intrigued by my body, which I think a lot of young people are. Hormones, sexual desires, urges, that kind of thing, and not really having anyone to guide me through that. But that's not unique. That's a lot of people. And I think a lot of parents think, well, they'll just figure it out. And figuring it out leads to all kinds of interesting additions to a person's story. And so I was always fascinated by it and with it. I found self-pleasure at a very early age, maybe four or five years old. Of course, I didn't sexualize it at the time, but I did learn that this was an area that I was touching myself that was private or that was dirty, that was wrong, that was bad, but it felt so good and it brought me peace. And so even finding self-pleasure as a kid, and I think about the ways people use orgasms now as an adult or self-pleasure now, stress relief, to ease a headache possibly, to come back into themselves, to, you know, just like there's so many reasons why a person, for health reasons, there's so many reasons why someone would self-pleasure. And I think back as a little kid and there was probably so much going on in me that I used, I turned to this pleasurable thing that didn't have any sexual context to it and just did that to feel better and to feel good 
And it was through going to Catholic school that I learned that what I was doing was I was defiling myself and that Mm. I was sitting. And so that was around the time, you know, really starting when I was old enough to understand, oh, I've been for years doing a thing that is really bad and wrong and had no one to talk to about it. And I wouldn't have anyway. It seemed like I was supposed to hide this thing. And so then really started the journey for me of I can't trust my body and I can't trust the feelings, the sensations, the pleasure, all of that. So I um, was always curious and would teeter back and forth between what I'm doing is wrong because all these things that are important in my life are saying this is wrong, comparing it to what I was actually seeing in my world, my body trying to be a place of peace and safety and all that and it just being all this mixed up. So that's like my a little taste of my upbringing. Fast forward, I really wanted to do sex and love differently than what I had had it modeled, but I didn't know. I was just in cycles that were basically just like my mom. And it was out with one and with another. I oftentimes used my body in order to get my way with things, used sex as currency, even as a teenager, whether it's sexual attraction or actual physical experiences. And it was very challenging. So when I look back, I think... Of course, I was always going in this direction. You know, some people have their experiences, or, and I think with this particular subject, I was so fascinated and curious. And um, even from like high school going in, you know, moving on, what is going on here? How am I doing this? Why am I doing this? Why are the people around me making their decisions the way that they're making it? And then really joining ships and getting so much exposure to other cultures and the way they do sex and love just kind of blew the lid off for me. But it wasn't until I met a lot of the AFES community and I met Jason mm-hmm. Goldberg, who in my just sharing my curiosities and the types of information I was intaking and the books that I was reading and the way that I was doing my own, you know, fast forward, I healed a lot. I made a lot of different choices. I found personal development. That's the, the mm-hmm. cliff notes. And then eventually I started anyone and everyone who would have a conversation about sex with me, I would have it. I didn't know I could coach in it. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that people would eventually come to me for this thing. And it was through seeing other people do the thing that I want to do in their own subject matter that eventually I considered it. So I'm pretty sure you had several questions in there that I feel like yeah, I I'm, looped I'm, around to. No, 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 no. no. This, that's great. <laughs> that I was looking for what was the point where... Because there's always a point where you kind of accept, oh, this is my work. Or at least that's what I feel. Yeah. So from what I hear, that's kind of where you were landing. There was basically you ended up in a community yeah. where you saw people's taking their life experience, turning into their life's work. If yeah. I'm paraphrasing. Yeah, that that's basically it. That showed me that it could happen. But there was a time when I was getting ready to go on another ship. So I would go on these contracts as an art director. So I have a degree in biology and science. And I thought I was going to go the medical route. And that that was like the more understandable route. (laughs) Understanding biology. And I studied forensics and psychology and all this. And then I was like, oh, I'm going to go over here instead and join cruise ships and study art. So it was like hard. Didn't know what I was going to do. And then eventually I was due to go on to another contract. And I remember it was the very first time. It's going to sound so silly. And this was actually with someone who I met at an AFES. I was, I then like, I think the year after went and over New Year's and went to her family home in Mexico over New Year's. And I had never played with an Oracle deck, you know, like card deck, tarot Oracle deck. And this was an Isis Oracle deck. So I think this was probably the moment that you're talking about. And this person's name is Stephanie. And she did this whole spread. And my dilemma was, do I go back to ships or do I really do this thing? And everything about the cards, which, you know, now in hindsight, I'm like, you can turn the cards into just about anything. And the decision had already been made inside of me, but I let the cards guide me. And she did this whole spread and everything was affirmation after affirmation. It was leap the universe will catch you kind of information, you know, and like, you've got this and let go of the past. And, you know, just like, you can turn it into whatever you're going to turn into. And I just went, that's it, I'm not taking it. Because I had a really nice contract sitting in my inbox to go back to ships and carry on with my work. And I said, fuck it, let's do it. And didn't go back. And then I took all of the money that I've been saving over my years, not having any overhead, single chick traveling the the world. And I said, I'm going to pour this into my personal and and whatever business development is because I didn't know at the time. I'm going to just funnel it all back in and see where I land. All right. And so so you ended with, with creating eventually the sex chick, but it started by just simply you yeah. educating people. And I'm just curious is why I want to know. 
how would a conversation even start around sex in a group? Let's say you were, you're a new coach or whatever you want to call it as a person that is talking about it, podcaster, however, how would you even start a conversation like that? Like you're in a, you you would host a group meeting, you would have go to people, like what is happening? I mean, the majority of my time when I first got started was spent all online. I started a Facebook group. Mm. And it was back when Facebook was still really cool and Facebook groups were all the rage and everyone was Facebook living everything that they did. You know, I'm having dinner and mm-hmm. Facebook living. That was really popular at the time. And so I did a lot of those types of things and I traveled around. And so I, that was more, it was more virtual and then traveling around and meeting up with people. But if they knew my subject matter, it was almost like an immediate permission slip. So I wouldn't really need to start conversations. People would start them for me. They were so craving to have the conversation with someone who they felt like wouldn't judge them and who they could really share this thing that they're celebrating with this thing that they're struggling with. Um, And so oftentimes I would just say, you know, I'm in sex, love and relationships and they would say, oh, this thing's going on. You know, oftentimes not asking if they had permission to share it. And that's, I think, something that I also have just... It's a part of my personality or part of who I am is that people, they just immediately feel comfortable to tell me all of the things that they won't tell anybody else. (laughs) So I'm a really great secret keeper. You know, if you want to keep it a secret, you can tell me. I mean, it's more like you can bring it all. I've seen it. It would take so much to shock me. And I mean, to awe me, I'm in awe all the time. But to shock me is... uh, I mean, like... I'm open to someone trying. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. that's that's amazing. So, so it's it's your being that invited people to be able to have a conversation that would have otherwise been very uncomfortable for them to be mm-hmm. able to have it with anybody else, which is a great testament that your being itself is sometimes your best business card, if that's even a thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that's kind of what we're saying. Yeah, an embodiment. You yeah. know, that's kind of a buzzword today. Like, what does it mean? I don't have it all figured out. But I do know some things and I'm very fascinated by this subject. I think it's also important for people, you know, when when they, at least I think, whenever they come into my space, they don't immediately feel, you know, if I say the word coach or something like that, they don't immediately feel like I'm looking for how I'm going to help them or instigate transformation. I'm not interested in that because so much transformation happens in just having a place to listen, like to be heard, to be felt, and to have someone say, this is normal or this is totally changeable. Like this is not your forever. Mm-hmm. And and just that relaxation. It's like, oh, my work here is done. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, and here's some tools you can try after that if you want to. And also yeah. take your time. Like this is such a slow subject matter for a lot of people. So I'm not in a hurry. So is life. Yeah, so is life. I mean, anybody working through anything, it is a slow subject matter unless you want to really rush it. And then you can have consequences if you try to rush life. Uh, yeah. I mean, not saying that it always is the case, but yeah, it can I mean, be the case. Clad in leather and harnesses and thrown into the middle of a play party where people are yeah. flogging each other. And, yeah. you know, that's, that's going from those, zero to 100. <laughs> yeah. What, what, what has been some of those really empowered experiences that you have seen in the realm of, I don't know, sexual liberation or yeah. freedom or just being able to express yourself? What have been some of the most powerful tools that you have engaged with or have suggested people? I can speak for me personally. So on a kind of easy entry point, I would say there's certain books and podcasts and other people to listen to that really start just the mindset shift and the questioning of the questioning of am I actually living in a way that... and, And am I being intimate in a way? Am I being sexual in a way that's really me? Or am I really just operating in the box? that life has put me in in this area. And so that's, you know, like easy entry point. And reading Sex at Dawn by Christopher Ryan Kachildajatha completely shattered everything that I thought I knew about, <laughs> you know, relationships. And of course, there's there's like bias and there and it's an anthropological work and it's really dense. And it's like a 22-hour audiobook, or like a little thick book. But I couldn't, I just absorbed it so quickly. And then it was one after the other, after the other, after the other, after that. But when something like, is monogamy the only real, right, true thing? And then then realizing there are different flavors of non-monogamy and you can still have your foundational family and your primary partnership and play with others. Like it doesn't have to look like this very strict, straightforward kind of thing that most relationships 
just completely and totally crumble under the pressure of it. Well, it's number one reason why relationships end is infidelity. Yeah. So. So like, how about we just have a conversation about that and stop trying to think that it's, as soon as I find the one, these very common, can't skirt around them, challenges are going to come out in some way, shape or form. Might not be actual cheating or infidelity. It might look like something else, but it's going to come out in some some way. But anyway... Like that, yeah. those those things and are really... And infidelity is defined differently too, which was also yeah. the one thing that I recognized when I was doing my study. I like, oh, <clears throat> some people would say watching porn is infidelity Yeah, already. absolutely. Yeah, so. yeah, or going to like chats, yeah. chat rooms. Yeah, that's infidelity. Mm-hmm. And it, I mean, everybody's their own, but it's right, not right. defined. And, right. and, and there's sexual know. infidelity and then there's mm-hmm. emotional infidelity. And for some people, one is more important than the other. They'd rather you go sleep around on one night stands than form an emotional bond with someone, which means then you split our family apart. Mm-hmm. But if you're just going and, you know, like, or they would rather you not go have sexual infidelity or relations because then what if you, I've been watching a lot of Viking shows recently. So I want to say, sire a child. <laughs> you accidentally get somebody yeah. pregnant or you get pregnant and it's not the person that you're in a your marriage with. But anyway, like, this is just an example how we just went back and forth. Of like listening and absorbing information that's already out there, that's already free and easy. You can do that in your headphones where nobody has to challenge it or you don't have to bring it up to anybody. You don't have to have a conversation about it. You can just listen or read and it can start having you ask questions, which is really scary for people. Like I'm going to question everything. That's like, no, I'd rather just like stay in the in the box with like a little bit of adjustment. But when you were just describing, you know, like your your question I thought about for myself, there was a time when I went to, I'd been to different, like, I don't call them play parties or sex parties or places where there's a lot of sex positivity and open sexual expression. And that wasn't something that I did, you know, I don't want to say like my whole life or anything. I had no interest in those kinds of things until I started getting into this world and absorbing this information. And then I got really curious and I started giving myself permission. And then it was the fear that I originally had towards events where people were being more sexual. I started to question those things. I was like, what am I actually afraid of? That someone's going to try to do something to me or with me that I'm not into. And then I thought about all of the typical straight bars and clubs that I went to through college were so much grabbing and coercing and just gross stuff was there in the normal, straight, whatever. And here we have all kinds of sexual orientations and expressions and and some, not all, I would say the majority, certainly that I've been to are all consent oriented. And I've never seen communication like this. And I've never seen ownership or taking responsibility like this. So I had a lot to like flip upside down for myself. But I went to a party and experience in New York many years ago and just saw so much authentic confidence and people, just the way that they were being with each other. That I thought, this isn't, this is where I belong. For sure, this is where I belong in the midst of these people. And they all have different faith bases and backgrounds. And it was a sea of different colors of people, sizes and shapes of people, and so much pleasure was around. And it just felt good and right and true and maybe sure hedonistic because it's all about pleasure and sexuality and all that. But it just kind of flipped everything on its head for me. And I remember watching someone, a good friend of mine now, get shibari, get tied, Mm -hmm. and then hoisted into the air. And the ropes were neon colors. And she was under a black light. And she had this really cool outfit on. And it was like... The party was themed Candyland. And so she was like a unicorn in a candy web. She was like trapped in a candy web. This is like the theme of it. And it was another good friend who's uh, a colleague now. I can name him Kenneth, which he's amazing for anyone listening who wants to look up Kenneth plays. He's awesome. His work is awesome. He comes out and he has a whip and he just starts cracking the whip next to her. And she's in the air in these ropes. And it's just the... I just remember and I tell her about this all the time. Every time I see her, I'm like, you were just so miraculous to see up there in the in-between of pain and pleasure, mostly naked, in the air. It was just the most beautiful combination, uh, the duality of life. Pain, pleasure, shock, awe, softness, sweetness, delicious. I want to go towards it. I want to go away from it. And I was just like, everything about that whole scene was here. I'm going to stay here. And I'm going to help people find their way if they want to. So I would say like kind of, you know, bringing it back to some things that I was saying 
when we first started chatting is people relate to me. And a lot of times that experience is not that relatable. So I would say people find their way to me and I build lots of bridges. So I can build a bridge that leads you to, you know, rolling four-hour orgasms with, you know, after learning Tantra. I'm not going to teach you that, but I know some really cool people who do teach that. But they find their way to me first. And I go, it's okay to explore. And then maybe they want to, you know, go have some kind of BDSM experience where they experiment with pain and pleasure or psychological. I want to say like masochism, psychological. I can say fuck, right? Yeah. Okay, great. This episode is <laughs> is explicit. <laughs> we started with that. So we're okay, good. Yeah. great. Because <laughs> yeah. I know I've said it already once. Oh, man, uh, I forgot to ask. <laughs> uh, but you know, like kinky, we'll, we'll oftentimes call it kinky fuckery or mental fuckery. I think maybe they want to explore that. And they, so I like to build little bridges for people that lead them to something and then say, I'm holding your hand. We're just on the bridge. We're going to go over cross and I'm going to stay there with you and we're going to check it out. And then if you decide, no, no, we want to go back on the other side and then try something else, um, abs- we're going to do that too. But if you like where I take you, I'm going to hand you to my friends and I'm going to go back over and get the next person. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how I perceive it in my mind that I'm just you know, creating these little bridges that lead people to their next thing that they want to experience because I've been in the midst of things that I thought, there's no way I would like any of this. There's no way this is right. You know, like people are just torturing themselves or re-traumatizing or traumatizing themselves. This is just a bunch of demented people that there's so much more to life. Why are they so obsessed with sex? You know, but oh my gosh, they have so much peace and freedom in their everyday life when they express themselves in this way. That's why I want to give to people. And now I really want to go to a party. (laughs) (laughs) So, So it's very interesting. And I'm sure a lot of people that are listening to it right now are going... You guys are crazy. Yeah. This is so not crazy. what you're talking about. This so. is everything against what they have been taught and maybe have lived until now in their lives. And the reason why I'm saying that is because that's the resistance that I hear when we talk about sexual expression, just generally. Yeah. Like that was my own dialogue with myself, like it was your dialogue with yourself, saying what the hell is happening here. And I feel, you know, liberated is probably the best word. I feel free. I feel like yeah. I can express myself. I can be who I am mm-hmm. in, in whatever way. And I have still have resistance to certain of these things. I'm not yeah. saying I'm all the way there, but I'm there somewhat probably more than most people are. My curiosity or my question to you is, it's a big mental journey mm-hmm. for somebody to say, I've heard about these things. I'm excited to hear about these things on this podcast. And fuck you guys. What would be some maybe questions or some open-ended thoughts that you may have for somebody that is right now in this episode going, I don't know if I should pause this episode and like stop following Ajit or <laughs> this may be where I will find my next liberation or yeah. my next freedom that these guys are talking about. Yeah, something else that I found over time and when I found personal development, it was through the lens of... I was in a dark place living and working on ships. I'd actually gotten fired from one of the cruise lines for drinking. I was breathalyzed. It's very similar to driving a car, but a crew member on a ship, you are the vehicle. And every crew member has a... uh, I've been on a a big cruise, like Norwegian Carnival, Holland America, Princess, Celebrity. So I was one of those crew members. And when you're a crew member on a ship, you have these responsibilities and these duties in case the ship goes into duress or the ship goes into some kind of emergency. And so you can only have legally this uh, same amount of alcohol in your system as if you could operate a vehicle. And so I had way more than that in my system and acted a little bit of a fool on one of the ships and wound up getting terminated. And that was a huge wake-up call. Like, you're struggling, you're suffering. And it was all stuff that's oriented towards sex, love and relationships that was causing me the most grief. And I didn't, would get out of relationships and wouldn't know who the hell I was. Or like, well, what am I doing? Where am I going? It was like, I didn't understand myself unless I was in partnership. And it was really challenging. I turned to food, I turned to alcohol, and then eventually had the wake-up call of getting terminated from the contract from that particular ship and or that particular cruise line. It was all the ships. And then found my way into fitness and nutrition and health as the gateway and yoga as the gateway meditation to personal development. And then through continuing on, cleaned up my life and my mindset and my trajectory for life and just felt like a more whole person. Then 
got into my next contract and realized that I was on top of the world, lost this weight, clear-headed, not drinking, valuing, gathering information, all this. I was just like on top of the world is what I felt like. And it was way hotter. So I was like, also had the attitude of like, yeah, I'm <laughs> crushing. And then I will never forget getting onto a new ship. And it was actually the cruise director that walked into the room. And it was like one of these trainings that I had to go to. That's like, here's the staff captain and he's in charge of whatever he's in charge of. And here's the cruise director and he's in charge of the entertainment and blah, blah, blah. And it was like an introduction to the new crew members. It's like a basic thing that that happens on ships. The cruise director walked in and he is this tall, bald, jacked guy with the goatee. And the like, as he... He was one of those because he walked in from the back of the room and I could feel his presence before I turned around. And I felt his presence and then turned around and was like, oh, my goodness. And realized through like him doing his thing and then carrying on after that, like, oh, I'm attracted to this person. I didn't know what to do. I felt 14 again. And so then he showed interest in me and I didn't know what to do. So I realized that there was something in when sexual attraction would become involved or the presence of like a, this is not going to be a relationship, but like, how do I act if I still want to be in connection with this person? I just realized that my personal development was a big hole right here. What do I actually do if I want to do this differently? Because it didn't matter. All this other stuff that I'd been working on was not translating directly into sex. It wasn't having me feeling encouraged to have, you know, when was the last time you were tested conversation? I still swallowed that down and was like, well, we'll just see how it goes. You know, like all of a sudden I'm willing to talk about all these other aspects of life, but now there's an advance in my direction and I can tell it's going the next step. If I meet it is sexual and all of a sudden the conversation ends. It's like we're talking about all these other areas of life and then it's sex is now possible and there's a movement into like maybe a kiss or maybe a touch or maybe a something. And then all of a sudden, all of our words go away. And we're not actually talking about what do you want? Where do you want it? How can I make this great for you? Here's where I'm at. You know, like there, and that's so sweet. And at times that building that anticipation, some people will go, oh yeah, if you talk about all those things, it takes the sexy out of it. Well, fuck that. And fuck, like, stop, <laughs> stop it. No, it doesn't. Do it differently. Like that really does hurt sometimes when I hear that for people. I'm like, you're leaving so much pleasure and off the table and possibly hurting yourself and others by having that kind of mentality of like, well, we just can't, we can't talk about it because then it winds up not being sexy. We'll figure out a way to make it sexy. This person... And do you think it's because they've never actually talked about it? Probably. Yeah, because it's it doesn't actually take away anything. <laughs> no, yeah. it can be really amazing foreplay, especially yeah. if you tease the person with it. Or like talk about it when you actually can't have sex. And then be like, all right, great. I'll come for you later. Awesome. But this person actually introduced me. He's the one who gave me sex at dawn. And it was like my personal development journey had led me to the next thing. I realized how I was acting. And then he provided the next set of information of like questioning relationship dynamics and structures. And then mind blown. And... Once I started absorbing that information and started having more information to have a conversation and all that, and I like, I knew what I was curious about and I knew what I didn't know and I knew what I did know. And that felt more empowering. Then he more or less handed me off. He didn't hand me off, but I shifted ships and went to a different ship. So I knew that the relationship wasn't going to carry on and then found my way into kink and BDSM. It was like my personal development just went, here's the next thing you need to learn. And then, okay, you're done. You're not done there, but You've got seeds been planted. Now, here, this is a whole other thing. And so that's like the kind of more grandiose stories that I realized like in personal development. A lot of people leave sex to last. And it's driving so many other things. So many other areas. They'll prioritize anything else. You know, they're unhappy and they're disconnected from their partner or for themselves, from their pleasure and their sex. And look, you know what? I need to hire a business coach. That's what I need. I need a business coach. And then and then when my business is wherever it needs to be and it's making that a kind of money, then I will have the time and the space and the freedom to actually want to have sex with you. That's it. I need a business coach. <laughs> you know? <laughs> doesn't work. You no. Know. So it doesn't work. No. So curiously, 
and I, just to make it really real for anybody that's listening and wondering why this is so important from your experience, what happens when somebody has not, not even talking about sexual liberation right now, I'm just talking sure. about they're just sexually not there. Yeah. Like they've even given up or they are frustrated with it or they're not able to communicate with their partner, whatever things, or they don't have a partner. What are some real consequences or real things that you can see in physical, like outside world? Because most of the sex stuff stays repressed and doesn't really present yeah, itself, yeah. except when you're really out of whack. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what have you seen in real outside world things? Yeah, I've seen a lot. And I think when I go to say this, there's like a lot of these things are on a spectrum and it comes up at different times and in people's lives. And sometimes they might feel like some of the things that I'll share are really present at certain times and it goes away and then it comes back. But I experience people feeling... Okay, I'm just going to start listing some things out. They are shells of themselves at a certain point where they've decided not to listen to such a critical part of who they are. They have chosen not to listen for so long that they almost... There's no deeper passion. And the way that they might be seeking pleasure, if they're seeking it at all, it's like very muted in how they experience life and other people's experience of them. I have seen people who... They're so challenged in this area that they, uh, like we looped around to infidelity earlier and in saying that. And so they are happy to live a life in a way that seems like it's right, true, and good. And what they were told and taught it was supposed to look like as far as relationships. So they checked all the boxes. They got married at this time. They had kids at this time. They did the career thing at this time. And they're still not happy. And And like maybe they have sex every so often with their person, but it's a little bit of a struggle. And like, especially if there's kids, we're tired, mom's touched out. It's like, well, this is more trouble than it's worth. So how about I just go over here and do this thing? Or how about I just absorb a bunch of porn in which porn is not inherently bad, wrong, good, whatever. It's how the person uses it. And and I'm not going into the actors and the actresses and how they're treated or anything like that. I'm just talking about the basic concept of like people watching people have sex in various ways, you know. Virtually, you know, since nudie magazines aren't really a thing anymore. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, it, it's and so then they're absorbing that, but they're hiding it. And so it's like they they might be shells of themselves, or they might seem to live a double life where it's like they have one life over here, but they're hiding all this other stuff. And in some way, to do all these backward things, they of course they don't want to ruin their family or ruin their they don't want to part, you know, instill heartbreak or any of that. But they also have this other thing that they might be doing behind the scenes that actually makes them feel alive that gives them the um, excitement or gives them something to, to, you know, floods their nervous system with the, uh, with the anticipation or the, and their brains with the, the juicy neurochemicals. But all of that is possible in truth. All of that is possible when you go down a path of wanting to learn about yourself and be open. For some people, it is just so damn challenging to get over the hurdle to even just give themselves permission to even listen to the podcast, mm-hmm. to even read the book. So I see people with physical symptoms. So, and I'm sure that y'all have spoken about this in some ways, you know, that there's like a, a grief, you know, like a, like I've heard it described as grief. And I'm Princess Lewis Hayes, maybe, that grief is um, in the lungs. And so if people wind up with like a condition that is in the lungs that as long-term, then it's where, what grief have you not processed or something like that. I don't know if you've heard things like that. I'm sure that you have where it's like, oh, and the knee, what does the knee mean? And then you look it up and there's like this big book that says what's the knee, right? And so for some people with, like I've experienced people that have either tumors or glands or uh, glands that continually get infected, cysts, um, endometriosis. And I'm not saying that, you know, it's unprocessed trauma or something or emotions that lead you to have these conditions. But I do notice that there's some correlation to some physical ailments that express when people are so repressed inside of their bodies, inside of their sexuality. And so the stress of it, of not communicating or speaking up for themselves might have hair loss. It's so much. So there's lots of different buckets. And I mean, this could be in other subject areas of a person's life too. When it comes to sex, specifically sex love relationships, like I was mentioning, I didn't see personal development translate. I have 100% of the time I've seen in clients and people who start navigating like what's going on with me. I've seen when they touch sex, 
it it does transfer over to all the other areas. Right? So they do, they, they say, yes, I will. And that doesn't mean you go to a sex party tomorrow. It might mean you just talk about how you grew up and you talk about what you saw, what you heard, what, and you just talk about what the feelings and the sensations in your body. You talk about the first time you had sex or maybe if you've never had it and the shame that comes with that or whatever. And the first time and then start moving that and speaking speaking up. So sometimes we're not even going to these like edgy things. That's way down the line for a lot of people. Sometimes it's it's just these initial conversations of, I want to hear this aspect of who you are. And I'm not going to go tell everybody in your tribe, in your neighborhood or your small town. Like, it's just me. So, and then we see that like sigh of relief and that acceptance that they feel from another. Maybe it's me. Then they feel it for themselves. And then all of a sudden, they go to the gym for the first time in three years. It's like, well, mm-hmm. this translates into the other areas. So... Uh, big work. I'm very inspired by yeah. this. No, it is big work. And it's very important work. And unfortunately, like we talked about, it's it's because of how society structure is not easy to get into the work or be able to communicate about the work. It makes people very uncomfortable because very private or it's considered really private. And hence, it is a difficult conversation irrespective, even between partners, especially yeah. if they've been together for a very long time. Oh it's one of those things that you don't even talk about because like, oh, we've been together for 20 years. You know, we don't really talk about it. What what sex? <laughs> right? It's like, yeah. what, is that the occasion that happens once in a long time? Right. So you're yeah. going to go, you're going to get such great anniversary sex. Yeah. It's like, oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> you got to yeah. wait for anniversary for that. So what I've seen at least, and I wanted to just reflect on for individuals who might be going, why is this work so important? Why are they talking about this taboo subject? Is because I've seen people be very angry because of that, because they're not having good sex life. They're being very frustrated because of that, very demeaning to other people. And you could see that their energy shifts just because now they have a different partner. It's like, what happened? Mm -hmm. How did you become a nice person? Like you were such an ass before this. Uh, And you go, oh, because... Clearly, they have like a completely new partner. They have ended their marriage. They have now with a new relationship. Their sex life is, of course, very different right now. So because it's a new relationship. Right. And so on and so forth. And I've seen that happen. So and I'm reflecting that is because why the XX can be a whole dimension of work. It can also be just one of the things that somebody introduces in their life. To it say, changes hey, everything. It double change everything. <clears throat> it will show in the outside circumstances. not only about... Uh, having a better sex life. It's about everything. So I just wanted to reflect on that because I think that's missed and that's not recognized enough. One of the gateway drugs that you said, or an introduction, if not gateway (laughs) drugs, probably not the right word, but one of the introductions uh, is, uh, you said Sex at Dawn was the book, right? Mm -hmm. Is is the book to kind of get started with, of course, your podcast, that sex chick is the name of the podcast, Yeah, uh, is a great way to get started on it. What is it that you, uh, and I think you, you mentioned loosely some of the things that I think are, very, very amazing, exciting, like Tantra and BDSM and all of this stuff and a lot of other stuff like Shabari and everything, which I'm not as exposed to. Is there something that's easy to start in a relationship that is a long-term relationship? By long-term, I mean, say, 10 years plus or 20 yeah. years plus. Let's say somebody's <coughs> listening to this episode, they're going, well, I am in a relationship like that or I know of someone in a relationship. I'm coaching a client that is in a mm-hmm. relationship that's 20 years. And one of the things that they've expressed in our live coaching sessions is, I don't have a great sex life. Yeah. What is what is a good way to get somebody to get started in that conversation? So I love this conversation. And I work with a lot of people that are there. Like their kids are finally seven. And they're like <laughs> experiencing a little bit more freedom. Like for some, you know, or uh, you know, they have teenagers and they all of a sudden their kids can stay home alone and they can go do things for the first time, you know, in a long time without having to do the whole babysitter situation. And or people have, you know, their kids are fully grown and now it's just the two of them. And they're like, what do we do? It was always present that our sex was off, but we had excuses. Like, I gotta run to this soccer game. And I'm just, I don't know, I'm not a parent yet. So I'm just gonna I don't know if these are accurate. These know, are gotta accurate. go, gotta yeah. go to the PTA, I gotta go to a kid's school or like whatever. There are these kid things, you know, bedtime, 
tired, work, there's all these excuses. And then all of a sudden, all the excuses disappear and you can't run from the thing anymore. And usually there's one of the two. It's more of an issue. One sometimes is... And and I hear this occasionally from, from people. Well, they'll say, well, you know, the marker of a great relationship isn't necessarily sex. Sometimes it's, you know, you feel good with the person and you have more of a roommate friend relationship. And I go, if that's what you want for your life, then right on. Absolutely give that to yourselves. If both of you are on the same page, but if there's one that's avoiding it constantly and there's one that's going, why, why, want? And then, you know, the Gottman Institute, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, so criticism, stonewalling, offensiveness, and contempt. So those are the things that are the surefire ways to have relationships just completely be you know, and become annihilated. And if you want to add gasoline to the fire, then get to contempt where you're personally offended by the actions of your partner so much so that there's just passive or direct aggressiveness. And um, and it's it's really sad. And I see people making choices in their relationship that are preventable from, you know, preventable from going in those directions to getting to where you like everything is we're on defense or everything is, you know what, I'm not gonna have this conversation with you more stonewall. Or contempt is like, well, you're so stupid. How could you do this thing? When in reality it's a projection. They feel stupid for choosing the partner that they now perceive as stupid. Like it's this whole backwards kind of thing. And a lot of times sex is a symptom that's in the mix of that. That's like you constantly shut down. I'm making the effort you shut me down again. Well, you know what? Now I'm just not going to ask anymore. I'm not going to ask anymore. I'm going to wait for you to approach me. It's never going to happen. I'm going to put all the pressure on you. And uh, and then I'm just going to resent you over here on the side. You know, because I want a thing from you and we went into this marriage and this is not what we agreed to. And now look where we are. And it's just even going to say it, I can like feel the people who come to me that like have these edges to the, to, to their stuff. And it's like, okay, well, that's one thing. That's a big group of people. And the other group of people feel sad about it. Where they're like, I really love you and I want us to have a more frequent sex life. Or that one's happy with the frequency, not so happy with the quality, and the other one just wants more. You know, like sometimes there's just a mix of these things. Oftentimes, there's uh, it's mirrored or it's, it's mixed. Like one partner wants the opposite of the other in some ways. So like, how do you meet in the middle? Especially after you've been through so much life together. And there's this, um, this idea that you get in a relationship and... Like we're going to grow together. We're going to love. We're going to change. We're going to you know, have our family and do these things. And that's awesome. But you're going to only always want the same kind of sex the whole time, ever, forever. You know, there's like this, if something changes in what you want in sex, all of a sudden I'm offended. Like I didn't even know you. Like if you all of a sudden say, you want to dress like a puppy and get on all fours and lick water out of a bowl, and have me walk you around on a leash. It's puppy play, which is a little bit kind of a fringe. It's becoming more popular um, form of BDSM. And 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 I have been with you for ten years, and I go, you want to what? Shame. I don't know how I feel about it in myself. Well, now, oh my gosh, your desires are not welcome here. How about we just do it like we usually do it every other Tuesday with the lights off at the scheduled time, you know? Like you have to work on creating an environment that is conducive for sharing new information with a person who knows the most about you. Mm-hmm. And that's probably the most challenging thing is just that mindset. So you ask for kind of maybe more specific places to start, understanding that this conversation is going to lead to you learning things about a person that you feel like you know inside and out. You're going to wind up learning things that maybe have always been in that person that you've never known. And it's up to you not to take offense to it. It's up to you not to be upset at the person for not telling you. And so it can just, I think, noodling on that and going, Mm -hmm. okay, I want to be accepted for who I am too. Who am I? The question of what do I want or what do you want can be so big and scary for some people, especially when it comes to sex. So if you've been in relationship for a long time, Understanding that is crucial and creating a container where you're not about to have sex that you can have these conversations where they have a clear start and a clear end more or less so that you don't feel like this conversation is bleeding all over the place when it's tense. 
let it bleed all over the place in a really good way, in a juicy way when you're flirting with each other, you know, and you're being like kind of sexy with each other when both parties are feeling really receptive to it. You know, my recommendation and suggestion is my most favorite tool is the want, will, won't list. I mentioned when we first were hanging out. The want, will, won't list is a great place for any person to start. Or if you've been on the path and you've been exploring, this is going to help give you even more to explore. It's a big long list and it's Googleable. So just Google want, will, won't list. Um, Ours will probably pop up first. It's a free download that has over 300 questions. That's do you want it? Will you do it if your partner wants it? Or is it absolute no? You're saying the safe word. We're not going there. It's like not on the table. And so for a lot of people, when they get this list, they go, I didn't even think about this. Mm-hmm. Great, now you are. And so it's up to you not to think like, oh, so much time has been lost. No, today is your debut. Look at you go. Now look at all these things. And then when you're done going through it, and your partner goes through it too, then you look at what are our collective wants? Where does my want overlap your want? And let's go do those things. Before we go do those things, let's talk about context. Do I want this thing in every context? Like, do I just straight up want that thing no matter what? Or do I only want that thing if certain things happen around it? Great. You get to just continue... You have a reason to have the conversations. And then and for some people, they go through a want, want, list. It takes them a really long time because they just keep revisiting it and they get like a section done. And then they have so much conversation that they like mm. put it on the side and then go back to it. And the list gets progressively spicier. So like kissing and licking and nibbling and all that. And then it's, you know, some aspects of BDSM, which for those that are not familiar with BDSM, bondage, dominance, discipline, sadism, submission, masochism. It's four letters, six words. Power and control are oftentimes the the crux of it. Someone's leading, someone's following. That's how I like to introduce people to it. I usually use leader follower instead of dominant submissive. Just because, like I mentioned, I'm the bridge. They can go mm. be sadistic motherfuckers when they cross the bridge. <laughs> but while they're with me, we're leading and following. <laughs> you know? That's a great reframe. It yeah. makes it easier to yeah. accept. Yeah, you just, just want to make it the, the softer, squishier, more palatable. Yeah. You know? So, um, and so the, the one who this is an amazing resource and tool. Mm-hmm. And then you get into like, okay, well, now I'm curious about the context. What do I want to factor into making these things happen? And a tool like Jaya, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the erotic blueprints. Yes, I was actually about to ask a question around that. Yeah, yeah. so Jaya and Ian, um, they're amazing and their work is so great. And they have that one, you can get a really great close-up view to it in the Sex, Love and Goop mm-hmm. Netflix series. Um, Jaya is on there and goes deep into the erotic blueprints with a couple and it's so beautiful to see. Yeah. So that's your context is, are you a sensual person that likes a soft lighting and the right music and the right smells. And so you want a certain thing, but you want the room to be pretty. And if the room's not pretty, you don't want the thing. Like, you know, you have your partner who's like, but I thought that you wanted to have insert sexual thing. What's an idea? A sexual thing. That I would want? Yeah, like just, you know, I want. You caught me on the spot. I was thinking about... Uh, something completely different. Yeah, what, what would I want? I mean, we, we've been very open about what we would want. Like a basic uh, I mean, thing. Like a basic thing would be, yeah, let's go to a location that is, uh, you know, where we are treated really well, like kings and queens. Yeah. And the setup is like that. And, like king and queen. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're okay. walking in, uh, you know, it's she's set up like a queen. You're walking Great. like a king. Yeah. Great. And so a lot of times like king worship or queen worship, which is language we use, my partner and I use, and I help people use. Some people like God or goddess. Like some people like those, like we're worshiping. It's an act of devotion, you know? And some people like the total opposite of that where it's humiliation, you know, or degradation. And neither are more right or true or good. It's just knowing what you want. So let's say you'd go through the want, will, won't list and you go, I want cock worship. Mm Mm-hmm. It's a fancy blowjob. That's like (laughs) your whole body. It's devotional. It's intentional. It's this whole thing. And you, in your mind, you're in a different location and it's very opulent and it has a certain feel to it. And let's say your partner brings you into your kid's playroom and tries to give you cock worship. Not going to 
on, right? Maddie. Let's yeah, say she yeah. just tries to surprise you. Yeah. And it's your kid's favorite toy that they never stop wanting to push the button on is right there to the left. So it's context. Like, and that's, you know, kind of a maybe a silly, but I think everybody understands. Like yeah. it's important to talk about. It's the, real when you have kids. The like, dynamic yeah, that cannot work. <laughs> that you want. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Or like you want, you really want, let's say you're challenged by making sounds during sex or sounds during pleasure, which is the majority of people that I interact with, especially women, because it's we're supposed to... Sex isn't about our pleasure. And we need to be agreeable, which means we're not overly expressive. And so we need to hold our breath, bear down, squeeze, orgasm quickly, get it done. Like a lot of people learn that. I certainly learned that so that it doesn't alarm anyone. Like I needed to do it secretly. So... The thinking about context. So context being specific. So you have these conversations of what would you actually want in order to get that thing? Because if you don't have that conversation and you just try to spring it upon a person, then they could be like, this isn't what I want. But you said that you want to. We did the list. And then you're back in conflict around it. So there's more to go into. And so really creating intentional times to go away and have those conversations with each other. That way, you actually get more of what you really want. And this goes for the single people too. You know, I have people that are dating that we work with, um, with Sex and Love Co. that want to do sex and love differently. And they bring a want, will, won't list on like the third date. That doesn't mean we want to have sex. It means I want to learn about you. And this is a big part of who you are. Yeah, if you're going to be in a relationship with someone, you better be good at sex with them. Like, yeah. you know, I mean, that's a, if you are thinking of a long-term relationship. Yeah, and absolutely. Well, so many people, when it comes to casual sex, they want to just like get in and like have this like romp, you know, this tryst, this casual sex, awesome, whatever. It was so hot and awesome because there was risk involved. You weren't going to go into a relationship with them. What could happen? Then all of a sudden, you go into possibly, I'm going to get into a relationship with you and we're just, I'm just going to prioritize every other thing about you. And the sex is a bonus, but mm. the sex is the number one reason why we wind up... Like, it's the number one thing that we fo- fixate on that winds up having us end. Mm. So it's a huge... Like, where it belongs on the priority list is way up at the top. And so many people just shove it down, shove it down, shove it down. So true. So true. Um, that brings me to the question that I was about to ask when you, when you brought up Jaya... Uh, yeah. We looked at her work through Love Sex Group and yeah. then we ended up at that blueprint. It's like 17 bucks or something. Everybody sure. should take it. And we both took it and we find our blueprints are very different, which we didn't know until then. Like yeah. we played, we were very vocal about our needs and so forth. But we realized, holy cow, how she experiences pleasure or what, not not she experiences, but her blueprint is very different. How she gets turned different. on. Yeah, her blueprint is very different to my blueprint. What is the approach that a couple should take? To say, oh, your is this and mine is this. What do we do? To, to give you like a broad spectrum. She has a blueprint, which is very much about turning on through through a thing. And mine is uh, very much, um, I think it's called a shapeshifter, which means yeah, you like it's it all. different everything. Yeah. yeah. All of it, all the same yeah. time, a little bit of this, whatever you want. How about this? Like, Yeah, it's yeah. just constant change. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so right. this is a lot of people mm-hmm. are partnered with, just like I said, the opposite. Mm-hmm. So this is Jordan and I. Mm-hmm. So there's five for those of you who are not familiar with the blueprints. It's like the quick rundown. Sensual, sexual, shapeshifter, energetic, kinky. And it's described oftentimes as the love languages, like how you like to give and receive love, but for your turn on. So how you like to be turned on and how you how you like to have sexual experiences. And Jaya came to find out that there's five main categories sensuals, like I mentioned, like everything to feel and smell and look and taste, like the senses. The energetics like anticipation. They like light hovering touch. They like the energetics. They like the buildup of it. And so they like maybe instead of like more aggressive, like pressure with their hands or body weight, they want something to just kind of bounce off the energy of it, which is very difficult to describe to someone who likes the touch and likes the physicality. And then you have sexual that is turned on by the literal act of sex, boobs, genitalia, so vulva, penis. They see it. They want it. That's my husband. 
<laughs> it's like anytime I get out of the shower, it's like, whoa, you want to have sex? No, I'm naked. <laughs> Getting out of the shower, a very normal non-sexual thing that all of a sudden, you know, like he'll come in and be like, oh my God, you want to have sex? <laughs> I mean, he does it playfully because we know the blueprints. And so, and note, so many people will feel super validated in this. Like Jordan is my husband and he'll come up to me, like let's say in the kitchen. And he's like having a little moment with me, which I think is really sweet. We try to do that several times in the day because we both work from home and we both coach for Sex and Love Co. So he'll come up to me and he'll like hug me and we'll have a moment and we're kissing whatever. And he'll like kind of stroke where maybe my hair or my neck, which I really love. And then all of a sudden within five and a half seconds, his hands on my boob. And he's like rubbing. And I'm like, and I'll just sit there and I'm like, this is fine. This is fine. And I look at him and, I'll, and he'll like be looking at his hands and I'll look at him and I'm like, I just want to make sure you... No, this is solely for you because this is not the touch that I would ask from you. And then we laugh because he doesn't realize how quickly he goes directly for genitals because that's his form of like of love and, and turn on and all of that. And so then he'll go and he'll put his hand like somewhere else. But he doesn't realize that he really goes to do that. And because I love him and I'm his partner, sometimes I, even though it's not my favorite thing, I surrendered to the thing that he loves because I love him. Mm -hmm. And so anyway, that's the sexual. And then you have Shapeshifter that likes all the blueprints at any given time. It's like, oh, let's do energetic. You want to do energetic? Here I am. All the hands, all the things, lots of stimulation at times. The challenge for Shapeshifters is often, what do they actually really want if they'll take whatever they're given? Mm -hmm. A lot of times. So like, what do they really truly want? And then there's Kinky, which is a whole other language like in and of itself because there's psychological kink components and then there's physical kink components like you like a spanking or you want a flogging. And some of those things are you, as long as you trust the person who's wielding the implement, who's holding the flogger, whatever, that's doing it to you, then it's going to be a great experience. But for some people, in order to want the flogging, they need a really particular sensual environment. Mm-hmm. So these these blueprints can be layered onto each other. You know, and and kink is that's the one that's like the rabbit hole that if you have any level of interest, my book recommendation for you is The Ultimate Guide to Kink and Playing Well with Others. Uh, because a lot of components of kink have elements of non-monogamy, but it's not exclusive. It's not people who are non-monogamous are not exclusively kinky and people who are kinky are not exclusively non-monogamous. But a lot of times you're sharing energy with other people in the kink space. So love those two books to dig into more of that. But Jordan is a sexual, like I mentioned, second sensual. And so the order of your blueprints matters. I am a kinky energetic. My top two are his bottom two. His top two are my bottom two. So much so that his top, is like my 0% for me. Mm-hmm. So how do we make this work? Originally, we look at it and we go, oh shit, we're not compatible. Is this relationship doomed to fail? What are we going to do here? Or, because you can have a growth mindset on it and go, the ceiling for our sexual experiences should we actively participate with each other is really, really high. So if we both ranked as sexual, our sex would look the same a lot. But that's not typically how relationships are partnered. Right? So you're typically partnered with, like as an example, my husband and I, I am a more discerning boundary kind of energy. He is wide open, Labrador retriever. I love everybody, ray of sunshine. And I'm like, I make things partly cloudy. Like we joke about the fact that we're so different even in our temperament, but we fit so well together. Our relationship coach, Annie Lala, we love Annie so much. She's like the master of metaphors, right? My favorite things that she said to us in one of our sessions was just, I chose my partner so that I could have more to my human experience is more or less what she said. So I experience life really well the way I do, but I want more from my life. So I chose him so that I get to experience so much more of life through him and alongside him. And I think that it's the same in sex. So I get to expand in my sexual capacity and my appetite might even shift and change as I grow because I learn to love it like he loves it. And he learns to love mine like I love it. But it takes a willingness from both parties to meet in the middle and go, okay, you're sexual, sensual. I'm kinky and energetic. Who do we prioritize tonight? We're going to prioritize your kinky and my sexual. So what is that going to look like? Okay, well, we're just going to immediately be naked. And Jordan's got a big check. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. And like maybe 
Well, let's say energetic. So we're immediately going to be naked, but I'm going to sit on the other side of the room and you're going to... I was going to say really, really aggressively, you're going to eye fuck me for five minutes before I let you approach me. Mm-hmm. You know? So like, yeah. this is how we can build on those things. So my two favorite tools to combine are the want, will, want list and the erotic blueprints because mm-hmm. you have the wants and then you start creating the actual fantasy, the imagination around it. So it's not so cut and dry and logical. Want, will, won't a lot of times really works for guys because they're like, oh, I just want to know what you want and then I can just do it. Mm-hmm. But then she goes, well, I, he goes, here, ta-da, yeah. I did it. And she's like, not like this. <laughs> and he's like, wait, you're, you're so... Why are you so crazy? Yeah. You're so confusing. You say you want this thing, but then you don't <laughs> want this thing. What, where are we at? This is the magic, y'all. Mm-hmm. You have the combo of the blueprints to get that going. And then you also have the context and then you both go, wow, that was amazing. And knowing that showing yourselves that you can do that even 10 years into your relationship, you can surprise your person and have a unique experience 10, 15 years in, that is just a wave of hope of, oh shit, if we can do this once, like the ceiling just went so much higher for what we can do. And of course, you don't have to do it alone because there's people who are very skilled in this subject matter that you can call or follow or listen to. And this is where I'll ask you to go ahead and follow that sex chick <laughs> on Instagram or on the podcast. Podcast sure. also called the sex chick, right? Yeah, yeah. that sex yeah. chick. Yeah. That sex chick. You can also, of course, Google the... Well, well won't w- list. www. Yeah. www. If you <laughs> just Google it. And any other platform that they can find you on. Those are the main ones. If you find me or us on Instagram, everything in our bio, it links out to all the other places. And different downloads, different things that you can use for your own personal better experience. Highly recommended. Or if you want to use it in your coaching practice, however you prefer to use this in your way, but absolutely follow the podcast. It's going to help you tremendously. Mm -hmm. If this is one part of big resistance for you, it's special to me what we talked about today because I know that was big for me personally, which I haven't really ever talked about or talked about enough because I've never really found people that I can easily talk about it. So thank you so much for taking yeah. the time and stepping away from your very busy schedule <laughs> and life to come sit down. Thank you. Mm, thank you for having me. Oh,